0: This is Cabernet and True Crime, the place where good wine and true crime come together. So guess who found her microphone and the cord to it? Me. I did. (laughs) But guess what? Plot twist, I don't think it works. I'm under the impression that like, well, I plugged it in and I, I had all the things. I had all the things I needed to have for it and like the light was on and it was like, yes, I'm working. And it doesn't sound any better and I still think it's pulling from like my phone speaker so whatever it's not it's not a problem for today it's a problem for another day it's a problem for a different Jana I'm also heads up there is some like ruckus and like hoopla outside I don't know what's happening I think my dog's playing with something could be wrong yes it sounds like he's playing with something so just ignore it if you hear it it's not the big of a deal um yeah, so welcome, friends, to episode 66 of Cabernet and True Crime, where, as always, I'm your host, Jana, the queen of chaos and technical difficulties and procrastination. Let's put it off for another time because it's none of my business, you know? I'll figure it out when I get there. We're all on this journey together and it'll all come together when it needs to. Technical difficulties should be at a minimum today. Um, Chris and I took off work. My husband, yesterday was his birthday, and uh, we had some unforeseen um, and unexpected life events occur <laughs> yesterday, and so we both took today off, which is beautiful and fine. I made tomato soup, homemade tomato soup, so that was pretty cool. A really getting hobby homemaker. Uh, the The tomatoes came from our own garden, so that's exciting. It's all I have the mental energy to do today was to make soup and do this recording and like maybe a few other things. I'm not sure. Tomorrow's Friday, TGIF. I need I need a break. <laughs> the lights, the lights are on and nobody's home for me. It's not for anybody else. I I have no mental capacity at all, really, not for much. Um, I am just I feel like. I cannot even focus on anything right now. So that's exciting. Um, we went to a dinner and to a comedy show, and that was really ni- nice. Um, it was it was cool. Uh, tonight is a very important football game for my division, so I'm doing this so that I can watch that later. I hate to say it, I'm a Bengals fan tonight, and that makes me die a little bit inside because I'm not a Bengals fan. There's only room for one Ohio team. I think... T- <laughs> No, I've gotten in an argument with this the other day with a coworker. Not an argument, but your city you get you get one sports team per city. You don't get two. Figure it out. Mash put the teams head to head to each other and like take the best of both. And of course I'm a Browns fan because I lived I lived and lived near Cleveland. Um, it is what it is, all right? Football. You're not here for football. I don't even know why I'm rambling about it. I I barely like football. No, that's a lie. I like football in the right context, in the right situation, okay? Okay, we're forgetting, we're forgetting about it, right? So, um, anywho, let's let's get out of that. Um, so, I, when researching this, was like, man, I feel like this is going to be really, really short, and it might be, um, but every time I think that, uh, they end up being dramatically longer than I really intend for it to be. <laughs> So, if it is long, beautiful. If it's not um, long, this is actually going to kind of be like a part one of two almost. So, there's always going to be more. And if this isn't long enough for you, you can go back and listen to other episodes. Oh, wouldn't that be so nice and fun for me? Another plug if you don't follow me on Instagram, you absolutely should, even though I'd assume you're here from Instagram. That's fine. Instagram's cool, I post something every single day except for last Friday, because I forgot. Um, it, it, man, does it happen sometimes. So if you've been here for any amount of time, I mean, literally even like the last four minutes and 30 seconds, you know that I'm from Ohio, northeast Ohio. I talk about being from uh, northeast Ohio a lot. I mean, pretty much all the time. It's, it's, um, I've noticed that like if you're from Ohio... It really just becomes a whole personality trait (laughs) for most, um, especially I think like the Cleveland, Northeast Ohio area. Uh, So in researching this, I also realized that there's a case that I thought I covered in a podcast, but apparently I did not cover in a podcast and it didn't put it on YouTube either. So I am just perplexed by my own self. Uh, So... I already spoiled it, but th- this other person will be our topic for next week because um, I do feel like that uh, coincides very nicely with this episode, and it'll be like nice to just get it into some type of content, right? If Taylor Swift can remarket all her content, baby girl, I can too, right? <laughs> I mean, these are my thoughts. So, anywho, um, he'll be your topic for next week, depending on like the situation. But I'm already kind of, I'm already kind of planning on it. Um, So the funny thing is, is that I do, I obviously do a lot of work for these. I research them and, you know, do whatever I have to do to make these done. And like 66 episodes in with a podcast, a YouTube channel and a blog, well, you kind of forget what you've covered and you kind of forget like where things have ended up because there are things that are on YouTube that are not in a podcast and vice versa. And then apparently I have blog posts that I wrote many years ago that I did never, I never turned into anything. So, um, that's cool. I have a spreadsheet though, um... I do everything on spreadsheets, and it's kind of like that's my other personality trait at this point. I'm from Ohio, and I like spreadsheets. These are my characteristics as a person. Um, so I find it really odd. Like, I don't remember the, the case we're going to talk about today. I don't remember this happening at all. And I think it's – well, and it's odd because I was, I was very much living in Cleveland at the time. Like, I was a resident of Cleveland, and I don't remember these things happening. And these c- crimes took place in cleveland and would have been all over the news in my defense though i was graduating from college with my first degree and i had jumped right back into school while working full-time to get my second degree so i can i'll take a little bit of the blame on that one that it might have been my fault but looking at it so I, i went into like the dates of things ariel castro whom everybody's heard about was caught on may 6th 2013 and I'm making that the assumption that the Cleveland media was super hyper-focused on this because that made national news. And Castro was still on trial until July 26th, where he pled guilty to 937 out of the 977 charges against him, which when you've got almost a 1,000 charges against you, I feel like you the, those other 40 charges are just kind of in the wash at that point. So I don't know why you'd only plead guilty to part of them and just plead guilty to all of them. But that's my own opinion. I don't know what that saved him because he still got the death penalty. So it's not like... It helped him out at all. Um, <coughs> sorry. On August 1st, he was sentenced to consecutive life terms in prison, plus 1,000 years. So I'm a liar. He did not get the death penalty. Just read one sentence ahead, Jana. You wrote this. Um, one month into his life sentence, so he killed himself on September 3rd, 2013. He was found hanging from a bed sheet in his cell. That's it. That's the episode. Goodbye. No. <laughs> not um that actually has nothing to do with anything I'm just giving myself a a defense of like Ariel Castro was kind of kind of took over pretty much all the media at this time so Ariel Castro isn't who I was referring to he won't be the um topic for next week either um I I mean so Ariel Castro and like the case that happened with him like really is kind of what started my fascination with true crime i mean as an adult right it's more than an episode of forensic files or unsolved mysteries i was watching it happen in, in real time and it was it was in the city that i lived in so it wasn't even like an episode of forensic files it was real life so Anthony Sowell was another Cleveland native, and his story lightly ties into today. And like I said, I thought I could have sworn I had an episode about him already, but apparently I do not. So Anthony soul was from East Cleveland, and he is a known serial killer of the area who was captured on October 31st, 2009, and he's who we'll be talking about next week. This case is upsetting um, for a lot of reasons. And I mean, don't get me wrong, all cases are upsetting, but there's a lot of underlying factors that make this even more upsetting, and you'll see. So Michael Madison was born in East Cleveland, Ohio on October 15th, 1977. East Cleveland is, you guessed it, in Cleveland, and it's not, I mean, it's really not generally considered a good part of town. East Cleveland used to be known for Millionaire's Row, like where um, John D. Rockefeller had a home. He was the world's first billionaire. Um, According to some, he owned a 249 acre um, lot on Euclid Avenue. And I mean, it was a big deal. Like East Cleveland was, I mean, millionaires row. By the Great Depression, though, it wasn't anymore. Now East Cleveland has skyrocketed um, in violent crime. Um, the violent crime rate is 7.69 to 100,000 residents, which is twice the national rate of 3.8 and above Ohio's rate of 2.85. The number of reported crimes per square mile is 168, which is five times higher than the rest of Ohio at 35 and the nation in general at 32.8. So there's statistics. It should be noted, like I said, that Anthony Sol, um, his as, so Anthony Sol's crimes took place in East Cleveland, Ariel Castro's crimes took place in Tremont, like South East Cleveland kind of, um. Uh, actually, so Ariel Castro's home, it's been demolished since everything happened, but Ariel Castro's home was only a few like minutes away from where the Christmas story house is. Um, it is no longer there anymore. It is a park, I think, with some nice statues on it, but that's that. Michael Madison was born to parents Diane Madison and John Baldwin, although Baldwin denied that he was the father and never took place. and uh, He never took a, an active role in his son's life. I read that Diane was ill-equipped to be a mother, as her own mother left her father when she was young, and eventually suffered from a heroin um, suffered from a heroin addiction, and um, became a sex worker. So it's believed that she didn't know how to be a good mom because she didn't have a good mom. Like a generational curse. Diane didn't invite other children over and really let her son meet or interact with other children. His relationships were limited to his mother and numerous boyfriends who were in charge of disciplining Michael and a half brother. In 1980, when Michael's two years old child and family services got involved with the family, and they discovered that Diane had shoved food down his throat, which caused him to vomit. After he vomited, she put him in a tub with severely hot water, and when he screamed, she took him out and beat him with an extension cord. Later in 1980, CPS was out again, the report stating that Michael had had um, large bruises and an injury on his forehead, which required medical treatment. At age three, Michael was beaten by his mother's boyfriend so bad that he began to vomit and had to be hospitalized. Around this time, he was beaten so severely by a boyfriend that he lost hearing in one ear permanently. CPS is often called to the home. One of the reports from a social worker noting that he had contusions, abrasions, and swelling on the shaft of his penis. At this point, he was taken away from his mother's custody. And during this time, unfortunately, he's placed in the custody of his aforementioned grandmother, the one who, um, yeah. So, um, which that wasn't much better for him, obviously. Here's what I found oh. Siri, Siri making an appearance here. She tried to tell me everything about what I just said, so that was interesting. Ignore her. Um. So, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, living with his grandmother obviously wasn't much better, but his mom went and got counseling, and she returned back home, and so he was returned to her care. He and his half-brother would still be frequent flyers at Mount Sinai Hospital, and in 1982, Michael was hospitalized for dehydration. In 1983... Social workers reported that he and his half-brother were covered in scratches and bruises. Uh, according to Michael, he doesn't vividly remember the abuse he suffered as a small child, but of course, I think that definitely has an effect in what's going to happen. You know, I for sure believe that this and maybe is not a good excuse for it, but I think it definitely plays into... Um, the actions that will come so by age 16 he was a nomadic teenager sleeping anywhere he could and at 17 he was charged with delinquency for inappropriately touching a classmate at 20 he was sentenced to jail for drug abuse so he graduated at 20 years old it was 1997 according to yeah 1997 he um, actually graduated from high school in 1997 Oddly enough, I have friends who went to the same high school as him and had only graduated a year after he did, so that's interesting. What a small world. In October of 2001, Michael dragged an 18-year-old woman down an East Cleveland street behind a house with the intention of raping her. A police officer either spotted the action or was called super quickly because the police officer showed up and Michael bolted. He was arrested pretty much immediately afterwards. Michael Madison pled guilty to the attempted rape and was sentenced to four years in prison and during that time was ordered to undergo sex treatment or undergo treatment for sex offenders. Upon his release, he was supposed to register himself as a convicted sex offender and he did, but not at the correct address, so he lived in a beaten down and quote, ramshackled apartment in east cleveland he listed his mother's home in cleveland where of course he didn't live in september of 2012 28 year old shatisha shealy had gone missing she was very close to her mother brother and sisters she also had a 12 year old daughter in the fall of 2012 kamita shealy shatisha's mother had filed a missing persons report with the cleveland police in December of 2012, Shatisha's brother, Dontel, was shot and killed when people broke into his home to rob him. When Shatisha didn't show up to her brother's funeral, her family feared for the worst, and they definitely knew something had happened uh, to her. 38-year-old Angela Deskins went missing on June 7th the following year, uh, which would have been 2013. She was officially reported missing on July 1st. On July 2nd, her brother Germaine took to Facebook to see if anyone knew where his sister was. There were numerous posts from him looking for her and inquiring if anyone could like would know where she was on July 10th. Sherelda Helen Terry 18 was last seen leaving Cleveland elementary school where she had a summer job on July 19th. Police uh, responded to reports of a foul odor coming out of a garage in East Cleveland inside. They found a decomposing body. Um, They were the remains of Sherelda Terry the following day. The remains of Shetisha Shealy were found in a weeded lot, two houses down from Madison's apartment. And that same day, the remains of Angela Deskins were discovered in the basement of a vacant house near his home. Over 100 volunteers had aided in the search for more victims. All three bodies were very decomposed, but it's surmised that Sherelda and Shetisha had been strangled to death. Angela's cause of death is still unknown. The bodies of the three women were all wrapped in plastic bags and were around 100 yards away from each other. Police got a search warrant and entered Michael's apartment and found more evidence of decomposition. There was a brief two-hour-long standoff with police where Michael had pretty much barricaded himself within his mother's house. And um, after about two hours, Michael just gave up and he was taken into custody without any incident. Angela and Michael Madison had graduated from Euclid High School in the same class of 1997. In a police interview, Michael Madison actually mentioned Sowell by name, saying that he idolized the man, and he was actually small enough world he was confined in the same lockup as Ariel Castro while he was on trial. On July 22nd, uh, Michael Madison was charged with three counts of aggravated murder His bail was set at $6 million, and he waived the right to a preliminary hearing. On Halloween 2013, Michael entered a not guilty plea because by now the indictment included sexually motivated aggravated murder charges. Prosecutors were now seeking the death penalty. In the course of three months, the state had updated its charges from 3 to 14, including two counts each of aggravated murder for each victim, three counts of kidnapping, three counts of gross abuse of a corpse, one count of rape, and one count of weapons possession by an ex-convict, which that comes from being a registered sex offender and from his previous drug convictions. The trial began on April fourth, 2016 and lasted for one month and one day. On May 5th, he was found uh, guilty in all three murders of Sherelda, Shatisha, and Angela. The jury deliberated for less than an hour. On May 20th, Judge Nancy R. McDonnell sentenced him to death, and during the sentencing, um, specifically during victim impact statements, Michael was caught, like, smiling or smirking. And the attitude and lack of remorse from Michael caused Van Terry, Sherelda's father, Um, He was actually in the middle of his victim impact statement. I think if you've ever seen, like, um, one of those courtroom shows, like, the crazy courtrooms. So um, Van Terry was in the middle of his victim impact statement uh, when, you know, Michael Madison's getting (laughs) sentenced to death. And he, Michael Madison's, like, smiling the whole time and, like, making eye contact and, like, smirking. And um, Van actually tries to physically attack Michael, um, there's stills of it, but there's a whole video. There's, I mean, there's hundreds of videos of it out there. Um, yeah, that's so fucked up. Uh, Van Terry was released without any charges. He he was not sentenced to anything for that attack um, or attempted attack in general. Um, three years after his conviction on June twenty second, two thousand nineteen, Michael Madison's mother was stabbed to death in her home. 20-year-old Jalen Plummer had broken into the house and stabbed and killed his own grandmother, but also began stabbing the sleeping children at the home, who were his 10-year-old sister, his 12-year-old brother, and a 10-year-old cousin. Uh, All three children survived the attack. Two needed emergency surgery, and in June of 2021, Plummer was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 30 years. Um, So interestingly enough... um, interestingly enough uh when sorry i had i had a thought and then i lost it and then i had to get it back <laughs> um apparently when he was asked about the death of his mother how he felt about it he said he felt pretty much nothing he didn't have an opinion or any emotion about her brutal murder um there was a whole lot of hoopla about appeals for the death sentence and all that but on july 21st 2020 the ohio supreme court decided unanimously that he would still receive the death sentence Michael cited his violent childhood as a reason for the killings, so he would be spared the death penalty, but the court cited that these killings, killings happened when he was 36 years old and therefore it was not a good enough excuse for them. Yeah, which, and that, that was a whole big... Um, whole big discussion there were several articles i read that you know he was trying to use his childhood to get out of the death penalty but then he even mentioned that like he didn't actually remember any of his childhood um i think the defense was able to just pull up all his old cps records to like cite that and i don't know that's like a touchy and kind of weird situation of you know, I mean, okay, like, nobody has a perfect childhood, nobody has a perfect life, but that doesn't mean, like, you just get to go out and, like, start killing people <laughs> like that. You know, that's not how that works. Um, so he is actually currently imprisoned at the Chillicothe Correctional Institution, which is a maximum security reformatory. Ironically, where his idol, Anthony Soule, was also imprisoned until 2021, um, Anthony Soule died in February um, from an unspecified terminal illness. Um whatever exactly that means he was rushed to a hospital and he died there um weirdly enough this is also where charles manson was held for a little while when he was arrested for the first time because i didn't know this but charles manson is originally from cincinnati ohio and unfortunately um that's really all i have for today's episode <laughs> uh, i i was hoping to include maybe anthony soul i just was looking at it but i don't I don't think that needs to be updated and edited and all that, so that's not going to happen today. Like I said, lights are on, lights are on right now, but nobody's home. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that. Um, I will see you guys next week for real, and I hope you, which is Thanksgiving. Um, I'll be recording probably Thanksgiving morning or maybe the night before, just to kind of like keep myself on top of things. But yeah. Um, thanks for listening. Hopefully this one's like a short, like you're driving into work and you're just trying to like, just beetle bog your way to somewhere. <laughs> okay. I'll see you guys next week.